Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the A Few of My Favorite Things podcast for today. Just as a point of reference, today, the episode is being recorded on March 16, 2021. Joining me for the show today is really just someone I found just really by watching a news story one day, and I just said, you know what? I got to just bring him on the show because his story is just absolutely interesting. What he does is absolutely interesting. And not only that, the age in which he pretty much did everything. You know, I can really go ahead and have like a two or three minute intro and basically tell his life story. But I'm going to go ahead and let him do that himself. And today for the show, I am pleased to have Seth Harding. So, Seth, how are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to have you. And speaking of just talking a little bit about yourself, would you care to tell the audience just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so I'm Seth Harding. Um, I think I think I can I can start with this since this is probably how you um, heard about me in in the first place. But um, so I sat for the bar in Alabama uh, this past summer, and. I found out this past fall that I passed, and that made me the youngest lawyer in the state. Um, so I passed the bar when I was 19 years old. I'm 20 now, um, and I'm sure that we can get into all of this, but um, after that happened, the story sort of got picked up and um, was shared around. Of course, I would I would love to talk about what I, what I do um, and, and how I got here, so um, as far as what I'm currently working on. Um, so I am a staff attorney at the Beasley Allen Law Firm, um, which is a uh, plaintiff's law firm. And so um, we we do a lot, um, a, a whole different host of different types of cases. And the type of case that I focus on um, are products-based cases. Um, so essentially if a person is harmed by a product, um, then we will file suit for that person. Um, and right now, uh, the current case that I'm working on is what's called a multi-district litigation that we have brought against Juul. So um, as I'm sure you've, you've heard, Juul is a, a vape that back in 2015 came out and, and really caught on very quickly. And it, and it didn't take that long for young people to try out the product, love the product, and it spread very, very quickly. Um, and so now um, I think Juul is, you know, essentially a household name. I I'm not sure if it's something that you've tried before, but I'm sure that you've heard about it um, at least. And from that, I think that vapes in general sort of blew up, but, but Juul definitely had a big role um, in starting young people back into um, smoking and those, and you know that that sort of habit. Um, and so now today, I feel like we've we've sort of gone back to a prior time, back whenever smoking was common, um, to where at a party, for instance, you'll see people vaping just as much as you may have seen people smoking back in uh, the '90s, '70s, prior prior times, right? Um, and so. There's so much to say on that on that subject, um, but if you want to know a little bit more about me and, and not just my work, um, so I come from a very special family. I've got nine siblings, um, and 
my parents got married right out of high school and essentially started having kids right away. Um, and so they, they knew from, um, from that point on that they wanted to have a big family. Um, and, it, and I think it was about the time of their fourth child. So when the, when, when the, um, oldest child was in third grade about they sort of realized okay maybe homeschooling would be a good choice for us and would work well for our children now I'm the sixth out of the ten kids in in, in my family and so by the time I was born it was pretty much set that I was going to be homeschooled and that uh, my parents wanted me to do my best to figure out what it was I wanted to study in college at a fairly very young age. Um, and so I sort of knew throughout my whole childhood, okay, my parents have this really cool model that they have used for my older siblings and it's worked very well for them. And I knew from a young age that I wanted to follow that model. And this is, again, there's so much to unpack there about the, the path of how I even wanted to get in, get into law. Following my my parents' model is what got me here, which, to to put it simply, it's just being homeschooled and being able to essentially let what it was that fascinated me and what it was I had fun learning lead my day to day studies, and so that's that's the key of how I did this quickly is not that I did as much work as anyone else would have had to do to get through high school and college. By the by the by the age of um, 16 but that my parents found a way to make it not feel like work because they found what it was I liked to do now I realize you asked me to tell to talk about myself and I sort of went into three different spiels so I will let you ask ask the questions and I'll slow down a little bit <laughs> yeah you are completely fine Seth and I know you were just being really modest about that and you didn't mention it but you graduated from high school at the age of 10. So ultimately, what was that like? Well, um, you know, being homeschooled, my my day to day of my life didn't look that different from any other average homeschooler, um, which if you don't know what that looks like, um, essentially, it's what it sounds like. You're going to you're going to do your schoolwork on the couch at home, you know, instead of in a classroom um, and the friends that you're going to meet, you're going to meet them, you know, instead of in a classroom, you're going to meet him through church or through sports or through other settings. Um, and you finish your school for the day and then you go play. So essentially a normal childhood, it's just the setting of my schooling was different. Now, once I was 10 years old and my schooling had sort of gotten to the point where, where I realized that what I wanted to study in college was history. Um, and I had gotten my reading and writing skills close, close to that level. And the, the other fields that maybe weren't my strengths, like strength, like math and science, I'd gotten to a basic level to be able to succeed um, while studying history in college, which you don't need to know that much science or math to study history in college. You essentially do your basic core classes, um, which at my school, you know, even though they gave us a good foundation, um, I definitely uh, was, was well prepped for that. So um, as soon as I got to that point, um, my parents started talking to me about college and about which college I might want to go to. Um, and I ended up going to 
Huntington College, which is just was literally down the street from my my parents' home. And so then it sort of changed to, you know, not not much had changed from the the all, you know, from my schooling up until that time or from my life up until that time. Cause um, you know, I still I still had all the same friends who were my age who I had met through church and sports and whatnot. Um, but it's just when it was time to learn, I my parents took me over to a college campus. And not after too much time, you know, I made friends on on campus as well. And obviously when you're 12, 13, um, and your classmates are um, you know, almost almost 20 years old, there is definitely a gap there. Um, but but what was really nice is um what I've found is generally generally people are kind. And so generally what it felt like was I was just the little little brother of the classroom and everyone was, you know, kind and definitely took some time to sort of process how a 10 year old was in their class with them. And in some cases getting better grades than them. Um, and so, but everyone was, was very kind. Um, and I wouldn't change that at all. Yeah, that, that's very great to hear. And, you know, especially with what you were saying about just kind of being in the classroom with people who were significantly older than you. Um, it's very good to hear that the transition for that was especially good, especially as related to your classmates. But obviously with, you know, kind of going to college, if I'm not mistaken, you started your freshman year when you were, were you 10, 12 years old? Uh, I was 11 years old when I first started. Yep. So when you started college when you were 11 years old, um, obviously there could be something where you could feel like, you know what, um, I'm starting off really, really young at doing this. Did you ever have a feeling like when you're just walking into the college classroom for the first time when you were 11, year old, 11 years old, did you ever think that, am I missing something here? Am I going too fast? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, of course, um, that's something that I thought about. And, you know, I think that that today that's something that we all tend to think about. You know, FOMO is a big thing. Um, and and it's something that, that we all have to sort of um, learn healthy ways to cope with and learn not to sort of judge where you are in life based on where someone else is. Um, and, and I think something that was really helpful in how I handled those sorts of thoughts is I realized that the primary purpose of my life is not to have fun. You say that to most people just starting college and there are some who would sort of struggle with that concept, but the primary purpose of life is not to have fun. It's to serve others. And so, and to serve God, obviously I, I would say that, um, I'm from the South and, um, <laughs> and so that's my worldview, right? And faith is something that's huge in, in my family and something that's huge to me. Um, but you know, even if you don't want to buy that part of it, one of the primary purposes of life is to serve others. And so I knew, um, that by doing early college and that by putting in the work at that point early, um, that the payoff would come later. And I think that, that my parents are very wise people. And so I think that, that they were able to teach me that concept, which is, which, which can be a very hard concept, especially for a young person of putting in the work up front for a later payoff. 
But at the same time, I would say that I genuinely do not feel that I missed out on anything. I mean, you talk to people about what high school was like for them and you get a mixed bag. Like, yes, there are a lot of people who peaked in high school. There's also a lot of people who hated high school and, uh, <laughs> and wish that they could have skipped through it. Um, and so I don't, I don't know where I would have fallen had I, you know, been born into another family. But my parents were good about not making me push myself too hard and to take breaks when I studied and to not put my self-worth on a grade or on a certain class and, you know, to spend time with my friends and to take time off. And so I think that that my my parents had this way where on the one hand, they were able to give us a very strong drive for life while also doing their best to make sure that our self-worth is not based in what we can do throughout our life. And also teaching us how to stay balanced, if that makes sense. Um, because, I mean, one, one big theme that I, that I like to hit on is, you know, people think that at least at first glance, like if I, if I read a story like mine in the paper, I, I would think, this person must have studied 15 hours a day every day to be able to, to do, what, do what he did. And that's not true at all. Um, you know, like I, like I spoke to earlier, I probably studied less than a lot of high schoolers um, did at the same ages because, you know, I mean, think about how much homework you're given in high school that's sort of reteaching you what, what you've already learned or sort of going over some of the same subjects. Um, Whereas for me, in, in my family, we would, number one, focus on what it was I actually liked to learn so I could probably do it a lot faster. And then number two, um, once, I, once I got the gist of a concept once, we just moved on. And so there's a lot of power, I think, in the human brain when you, number one, don't limit it and don't make it believe that something is hard. If you tell someone that they can do something, there's a much higher chance that they're going to be able to do it than if you tell them that it's a very difficult task. In my household, my parents told us, and, and I saw you know, my older brother and, and sisters do it, they told us that you can go to college at this age and you can fast forward to a really great place. Now, that's not to say that you know, high school is, is a bad thing or somehow you know, waste time. Um, but just that you can, you can live a very fulfilled life and get to where you want to be in terms of job finances, but you can get to a place where you feel like you're making the world a better place a lot quicker, sort of based on their model, if that, if that makes sense. You know, Seth, it does make a lot of sense. And, you know, the thing about that as well, too, is just really based off of what you're saying, I get the sense that the ultimate upbringing that you were taught was go at your own pace. And that doesn't necessarily mean go at a slow pace. That just means go at a pace that you're comfortable with, that you enjoy learning, and that really is most beneficial for you. Um, I, I can think of an example, though. It's not necessarily on the same level of graduating high school at the age of 10. But I remember just, especially for this last summer, especially for me, I decided to, you know what, I'm going to look through my AP Gov test textbook as well as the uh, AP World History textbook. Granted, the uh, AP uh, Gov textbook and AP Gov class was terrible, so we didn't really go over much. But when I ran over the book, it was like, wow, I really learned a lot from this that 
I would have never figured out if I just went off with what I learned in class and I looked at the world history textbook. I didn't finish that just because college kind of got in the way and made everything else that was recreational slow down. I read that and I said to myself, you know what? Like I thought my high school world history class was good, but no, it was subpar at best. It, this is like when you sit down and just slow down and read stuff. I know that's an insignificant example to subject classes, but it really seems like you can gather something from a different angle that, right. you know what, it's the cookie cutter way that it's given to you, the cookie cutter way that's just this displayed all across the world. And I know that you were mentioning homework and I saw this thing really several months ago and I've seen it a few times since then that in other countries, homework really isn't as accentuated. It's really more of a thing that can really be seen as something that's just filler work oftentimes. Right. And, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Finland, but their education model is based off, you know what, we're going to learn what we're interested in, learn these groundbreaking subjects. And when school's over, school's over. And, you know, you know, they're not, no one's flunking out. You know, the kids there know several different languages. I mean, their education system's great. And, you know, I feel like so far with the American system, I feel like there's this antiquated thing that we've been doing it for so long. That's the way we ought to do it. And looking at education from a viewpoint of how you took education, it's really interesting to see how there's more than one way to do education. And sometimes that can result in it happening more quickly. But most importantly, what should come out of that is you should get a great education. Right. Right. And and also learn um, subjects and skills that you're actually going to use in your life. Right. And so I guess from 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 that viewpoint, parts of high school can seem like a total waste. Um, I mean, the yeah. big the big joke today is like, um, you know, why did why did we need to learn? Well, now I'm now I'm starting to starting to blank on on what one might be. But, um, you know, just different <laughs> different concepts that that most high schoolers have like flashcarded in their brain that you never need to use. And yet they didn't teach us how to like file our taxes, right? Like that's the big meme, right? Um, but there's but there's a lot of truth to that. Um, and so I think that, you know, college is is one of the first places, I guess, in most cases where, where you um, choose the, the core of what you learn. Um, and so just the fact that I got to sort of jump from almost childhood really to learning what I want to learn while getting that sort of basis in, in other subjects, um, I think did, did a lot for me in, in terms of how I think about learning. And I mean, like, like you're saying, self, self-led learning can be so much more powerful than, than um, forced learning because it's sort of like, right. It's like, like, why would you try to eat if you're not hungry? Whereas if you find the type of food that you're, that you actually have a hunger for, or, or you eat when you are hungry, it's completely different. Like it's, it's, it's going to taste a lot better. It's going to go through your body better. Right. And so to me, it's just, it's just, it's just the same thing. I had the ability to do something very interesting for Seth. I wrote a feature story on him and his journey that I think you will find interesting. It's a full-fledged feature story. It goes over a lot of information and gets insight from a lot of different perspectives. If you think Seth is half as interesting as I think he is, 
you will love the story. Links to that and more from my end are included below. This podcast is now on YouTube this season after all. I hope you would consider subscribing to me on YouTube and whatever podcast platform you utilize. Let's go back to the show. And ultimately, too, I would imagine that kind of going into college, you had a great foundation and things of that nature, just based off of your own sense of learning. And I guess something I want to ask you is going into undergrad and even grad school, did you ever feel like there was something that, you know what, there's this concept of learning that I had to kind of get familiar with? Or did you feel like you already had the preparation right out the house? Mm -hmm. Well, that, that is a really good question. I think when it came to history classes in college, I think that I could do the work for those classes and it didn't feel, work, didn't feel like work at all. Um, now, I think that on the sort of very basic math course that I took as a freshman and the very basic science course that I had to take, my, my parents had already raised me well enough then to know sometimes you just have to do work that you don't want to do and you just do it. Now, those were very basic classes designed for majors in the humanities like me. So I don't, I don't think there was ever a point where we got into concepts that, you know, I wouldn't have already been familiar with, even though I certainly had those subjects on more of a back burner during all of my schooling prior to that, because I knew that I didn't want to do any work in those fields. Um, I mean, obviously I want, I want to be able to function well in, you know, the modern world. And so you have to have a lot of basic concepts down. Um, but we, we also live during a time where I think most of the basic concepts that you really need to know, you, you sort of pick up, you know, just from various media. And um, there are certain con concepts that you can't have been born in the 21st century and not be familiar with that concept because it's just something that society has sort of a shared knowledge of. And frankly, outside of that, there's really, I mean, unless you are going to work in, in a field where math is heavily used or where science is heavily used, if you want to be a writer or you want to teach history or you want to go into law or some other sort of writing, reading focused field, um, as long as, as you have the basics down well, then then you're, you're gonna do well. To, you, to your question of were there any sort of um, areas that I struggled in. Whenever I look back over my schooling, if there ever was a time when I felt like I was truly struggling, it was just simply learning how to manage the workload in law school. But talk to any 1L, any, any law student in their first year, and they're going to tell you the exact same thing, um, because that's one of the most important things that, that you learn is, is how to time manage, right? Um, when it comes to specific subjects, I definitely, I don't, I don't think that my parents, um, failed or left any any holes there so i had but most importantly i think they gave me a spirit of feeling like no matter what it was given enough time i could figure it out and so even if i did step into a science class not knowing a lot of concepts i knew if he can learn it i can learn it and if the teacher knows it now he only knows it because he spent time in a book so i can do the same thing now granted i was 12 years old at the time thinking that <laughs> and it was a college professor 
And I probably had no right to think that. But again, the funny thing is we tend to turn into what other people tell us about ourselves and what we believe about ourselves. Something that I've thought about a lot with my family is nature versus nurture. Having a viewpoint of being inside of it, I would have to say I think that it's about 95% nurture and only 5% nature. So in other words, you're saying a lot of this isn't due to some, you know, magical drop of, you know, super intelligence. A lot of this came really from upbringing and what was instilled in you when you were younger. Exactly. And it's a way of, of thinking more than it is my mom or my dad's genes. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But, you know, that's something that I find just really just genuine and engaging. It's always refreshing to hear people just kind of go back to their roots and just really just give a shout out to really what got them there and really to hear you talk about your parents and really your faith as well. That's just, it's always beautiful to hear. And speaking of faith, how would you say faith has been integral in your journey just as, not just as a person who's gone to law school and gone through college at very young ages, but just as an individual overall? Awesome. That is a fantastic question. My favorite question. Um, so first, let me say this. We live in a world now where if I am online talking about my faith, people are going to act like I can therefore never sin or never do anything wrong. And if I do, then, you know, I'm going to get lambasted on Twitter or something because I once said that we should all follow God and try to do our best and then failed. Right. So I first want to start by saying um, I'm not I'm not perfect. But I still love God and, you know, I still I still think that his word is true um, and ask anyone who knows me and they'll tell you that I'm definitely not perfect. But the biggest thing when it comes to the role that faith has played in my life and um, the success, if if that's the word that, that we'll choose um, that I've had, is if God wants something to happen, it's going to happen. And if you read his word, you'll know that for those who follow him, he only has good plans for them. And so we, you know, are humans of flesh. And so sometimes what we think is the good thing that we want him to do for us or do with us isn't what he ends up wanting to do. You can get a, a tremendous amount of peace and fearlessness, no matter the challenge you're facing, even if you're 19 years old and you're about to sit for a bar exam, if you just sit back and go, if this is God's plan, he's, he's going to make it succeed. And nothing I do is going to change that. And two, if I look at my own past, or if you look at your own past, he wouldn't have brought you as far as he did if he didn't want you to succeed in that challenge, right? And so I used the bar there, but it's been so many different things throughout my life. The next big challenge that I feel like I'm facing, I'm 20 now. Other people at this current stage of life are 26, 27. And I think about how one, it's challenging, and two, I'm doing it much sooner than other people would. But every time, you know, I get stressed about something, I sit back and I go, God wouldn't have brought me this far if he didn't want me to succeed. And I believe this is his plan for my life. So I'm just gonna, you just go into the fray, man. You just, you just do it and you just have faith. And it's scary. And, um, but, but that's the point of life. I mean, life, life is a test. Like, Obviously, we should have fun in our lives and it should be a good thing. You know, it shouldn't be trying to prove yourself constantly or 
there's nothing that is just like innately good about suffering. I mean, except for in the ways that, that it can better you, but suffering to suffer, there is no good in that. Right. But all that said, no matter how hard a challenge is, it makes it so much easier if you take the challenge off your own shoulders and just put it on something bigger. Um, which for me, that's God and he hasn't failed me yet. So beautiful answer and really just a beautiful elaboration as well. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you very much, man. And something else I want to ask that's also just another monumental question as well. It really just also just deals with life in general overall. Obviously when someone looks at your story, it can be very easy for someone just to surmise, oh, 20 year old person who's practicing law or genius whiz kid. Uh, 10 years old, who graduated from high school. What do you think is the thing that people have a tendency to focus way too much on you, Seth Harding as an individual? And what's something that you wish people kind of focus more on? Like, hey, I'm more than just a guy who got a JD at 19. I'm more than just a guy who graduated from high school at 10. What's the thing that you want people to know about you right here, right now? That's a really good question. No one's ever asked me that question before. I mean, yeah, people people tend to to focus on that and sort of sensationalize it, and uh, you know, make me sort of seem like something that's so far from the norm and so strange that that it couldn't possibly be saying anything about the way that we currently school people, right? Um, but what I what I what I would want people to know about me is that if you ever sat down and got to talk with me like like we're doing right now, you would realize. I'm not that smart. Um, I well <laughs> um, <laughs> in school, primarily grad school, there were days and months where I felt like I was studying at least 12 hours a day, usually 13, 14. And I don't say that to say that I work or that that you know I did this by my own strength. But what I what I would say that I'd want them to know about me is is number one, my story could be anyone's story and anyone put in the circumstances that I was put in would have the exact same story. And then two, what I did doesn't say anything about me, but it just says everything about God because I can think back to from forming the dreams that I've had for my life that I've now turned in, or, you know, that I've now reached. I can think to times when I was eight or nine years old, praying and asking God to use me in in a way that mattered and asking God to uh, show me the person that I'm supposed to be or show or help me to succeed in school or in in life so that I could honor him and not you know myself and then I could point to every single challenge that I've faced and how I'll give it to him every time I just I, I would not take the burden on my own shoulders and I and I give it to him um, and so I would, I would tell what I, what I would hope people to, people to see when they look at me is not me, but see just another story of what God can do. Um, now, again, I'm not perfect. I've sinned many times. I sin every day. <laughs> um, and there are also many times when I did not cast my cares on God, right? Um, and suffered for it because now I have the weight of uh, my life on my shoulders instead of instead of putting it on him um, but 
that I think is, is the main thing is, is don't look at me and think, Oh, it's this freakishly smart kid. And every so often there's going to be a random other smart person like him. Um, what I, what I think it is, is it's just someone who is, I feel extremely blessed and extremely lucky. Um, and I know that what I did was not by my own hand. You know, I know that it's just God's call on my life. And I mean, right, right now, you know, I'm, I'm doing plaintiff's law. Every case feels like a, a, a big deal to me. And as far as the future goes, you know, I'm just trying to do what I've, what I've done in the past and what's worked in the past, which is just to trust God that whatever the next step he wants me to take, I will follow that step. And, um, my firm is fantastic. And so right now it is certainly to do my best to, to serve here. And I would love if, if we could put a link to the firm on podcast listing somewhere. I would do that without hesitation. Okay. Awesome. Also, I'm sure that, that there are many young, young people who tune into this, um, have maybe been harmed by products or, or, or been harmed by vaping or harmed by drilling. And we would love to serve them as well. So, yeah, I think I've successfully rambled and, um, I can stop there. <laughs> it's not rambling. It was all very, very well needed to hear and just really just added to what you've really brought to this conversation. It really was important to hear. And something I noticed that you mentioned as related to the future, I just I just have to bring up this quote that I read just on one of the articles I read about you. Oh, no. I want to ask you what this means. If you look in the history of the U.S., <laughs> a lot of our leaders started in the legal field and then moved up through there. What is that supposed to mean, Seth? Um, what that means is exactly what it says. And <laughs> uh, I, I do feel a call on my life to lead. Um, and right now, what I think that means is, is doing my best here at the Beasley Allen Law Firm and doing my best to serve my clients, you know? And I think that that is what I'm going to say on that subject as of now. But stay tuned. Of course. So maybe one day your clients will also become your constituents. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, they say that it's all about timing. And right now I yeah. am, you know, essentially still a funny 20-year-old kid. And so I'm definitely <laughs> not trying to throw myself into anything. Right now, this this time for me is just to serve my clients and to hone my craft and to try to be a better man every day. You know, I'm not I'm not so prideful to think that I need to uh, hold hold myself out there to lead anybody, at least in that sphere, anytime soon. So. Hello, everybody. I hope you have enjoyed the show thus far. I am a freelance reviewer for Google Maps. So far, my 70 plus reviews and my over 550 photos have been seen by well over 4.5 million people. I even have several followers now. I have done reviews on sporting venues, restaurants, theme parks, airports, and more across several states. The other is a link to a blog I have started last year. The blog is entitled Going Places, Eating Things, and it is something I definitely look forward to developing even more. Be sure to subscribe to email notifications on the website to know when I make my latest post. It is goingplaceseatingthings.blog. Again, type in goingplaceseatingthings.blog, no caps, no spaces, into your web browser 
and you will be taken to my blog. Link to the Beasley Allen Law Firm and a book that chronicles Seth's family and their academic approach is included in the podcast description below. I hope that you will take a look at everything. The book, written by Seth's parents, was published by Simon & Schuster. Enough said, right? Back to the conversation. A Bible verse that I think about often is really the uh, first verse in the third chapter of Ecclesiastes. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to purpose, under everything under the sun. I think I got that slightly off. Uh, I mean, it sounded sounded great. (laughs) But yeah, that's basically the gist of it. And I can see that the gist of it is exactly what you're applying to your life. And that's absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you very much. King Solomon, I think, is someone who every young man, every young person needs to go and read everything he wrote. Not that I have, but that's something that I'm trying to do. What the Bible says is he's the most wise person who has ever lived or will ever live. And there's a reason that we still read his words today. That's just something that, that, I, that I want to throw in there. Of course. Um, it's not surprising either just because who his dad was, you know, David. Right. I would admit that that is definitely something that would definitely be worth looking at, especially just because as it relates to just the Bible in general, it's a book that I've definitely enjoyed looking at and definitely enjoyed reading through. The first time I read it through, it was the 365-day challenge. It looked at a New Testament verse, an Old Testament verse, a Psalm and a Proverb. It was really hard to piece everything together. But basically, this year I started a 90-day Bible challenge. I wasn't planning on starting it. A friend just recommended a podcast to me, and the host of the podcast said, Hey, I'm starting a 90-day Bible challenge. And I was like, what the heck? I'll read the Bible, I guess. And, you know, I've really enjoyed it just because... Focusing in on it, especially within this time frame, it's definitely more focused. And I really gathered a whole lot more reading it the second time than I did the first time. It really was absolutely great. And I've really enjoyed uh, going through that. And if anyone is interested in reading the Bible, I uh, I would highly recommend it. It really was a great book to read and things of that nature. Yeah. And another thing I want to go into as well is just the fact that... Um, Obviously, you've talked about religion, and I feel like that's nothing wrong with doing that as well. But I just want to go into another element of the show that I do with each and every guest. And that's really just talk about a specific element that, you know, that we've talked about so far in the episode that we haven't talked about so far in the episode. Is there anything else that you feel like you want to highlight that we've talked about so far or anything come to mind for you? Let me think for a moment. I mean, one one thing is, is I am genuinely curious uh, where you see your podcast going because I think you are a talent for it and uh, and I would and I would love to see you you know keep this keep this going for a long time and um, just have it get better and better um, I'll be honest with you with with the podcast I transitioned from not just doing it on a podcast platform like a traditional podcast platform like anchor Spotify Google podcast Apple podcast what I wanted to do for really this year is I also wanted to expand it to YouTube. And I'll be honest with you, doing it on YouTube was something that, you know, I was really astounded by, especially for how much has grown. With that first episode, um, I had previous other YouTube videos on my channel. I got more views on that one podcast episode, the first episode of the second season, than I got on all of my other uh, videos that are on my channel combined. 
it was it was quite astounding and i'm not trying to brag it was 160 views on the podcast <laughs> but i was just i was genuinely um really surprised about how really it spread and you know that's kind of the goal of what i'm trying to do obviously what i always try to do for each and every episode i really try to put my heart and soul into each episode try to get people on the show who have great character really just great background and really just offer something that i feel like my audience would be engaged and really tuned to hear and for this episode there's been no exception either well thank you very much you're welcome i really do mean that and ultimately seth too it's just one of those things that it really could go a lot of different ways so far i have 10 subscribers so you know before i posted my first podcast that was i had one so i guess that's a tenfold increase exactly man maybe it'll be another tenfold increase by the second episode I yeah i don't know about that but man thanks <laughs> but you know ultimately what i'm trying to do with it at the end of the day is i want people to listen to it um obviously i am definitely not a professional um i just got a uh, a mic to go with the podcast and that was through a christmas gift from my parents and you know there's obviously a lot more things i need to work on as well maybe just diction carrying a conversation working on maybe updating visuals because you know uh, obviously a laptop isn't amazing but mm-hmm. ultimately there's a lot of trial and error but what i'm trying to do with it is i'm trying to just create a better product make it more engaging highlight more people who really do need to be highlighted and we'll just see where it goes from there whether it gets that 100 subscribers i was just talking about or whether it gets a million um i just want to continue to do a product that I can stand behind my family likes uh, my audience likes and really can make an impact on the people who listen well that's fantastic and i think that you could take this very far you seem like the guy who's going to be famous one day and uh and i i just think that that you have a um, talent for this and ultimately i do too i remember a uh really a tv anchor was trying to compare you to alexander shannara but i feel like just on the path that you're going on, you might even surpass him yourself. So. Oh, gosh. Got to look at yourself, too, Seth. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Seth Harding, just another great conversation to have for the podcast. And it really was just so amazing to talk with you. Um, this really went better than I could have envisioned. And it was just another great conversation for the A Few of My Favorite Things podcast. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you again very much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to the latest episode of the show. Thanks again to Big Shot lawyer Seth Harding for making the time to engage in some great dialogue. And seriously, please look at that feature story, which is included in the podcast description below. Also, a special shout out is needed for Diamond Style for the amazing music, as always. If you liked what you listened to, I hope you would consider subscribing and even jumping over to YouTube to see our conversation in video format. It's over Zoom for obvious reasons. But by doing so, I think it will only serve to enhance the experience of the podcast. We have had a lot of great shows and guests this season and have even more on the way. Let me know if you watched the entire thing in the comments and please let me know what you thought of the episode. Be honest, seriously. Until next time and beyond, continue to stay prosperous.